There's another type of insect. This is under development, not yet created, as far as we know. But it's being created by the Department of Defense, which we all have great confidence in, is looking out for us. And these are insects that deliver viruses that will genetically engineer in the field. So you create the insect, it'll end up genetically engineering things that it interacts with. So that should be safe, right? Easily contained. <clears throat> now there's also digital DNA. We have the code, let's build from scratch. Let's create what we need. <clears throat> there's a revolution in the speed of reading what the code is, the DNA code for different species. As of 2015, there were 2,500 high-throughput instruments located in a thousand sequencing centers in 55 countries. And the total would be, I'll read this, 35 petabases of genome sequencing, which is a thousand million base pairs. Ten years later, 2025, they're expecting a zettabase, which is a thousand million trillion. So instead of filling up a silo, it, if, one, if one grain of sand was one base pair, it would fill up 154 stadiums. We're talking about the possibility, and they say by then they'll have sequenced all of the 1.2 described species of plants and animals and have at least 2.5 million plant and animal genome sequences. Once you have the genome sequences, you can then engage in building or changing in a laboratory, mathematically, on a computer, and then have it done for you to see what the results are. Here's where biointelligence, AI, artificial intelligence, meets biotech. <coughs> there are factories without humans. <coughs> Robots, powered by artificial intelligence, to create genome sequences that are pushed in by people on the internet who want to get their genes created and sent to them. So you can have this whole apparatus working for you, ordering genes, having them sent to your laboratory or your garage, creating new things. <clears throat> and that's going to get cheaper and cheaper. And you're going to have the availability of getting these genome sequences from these different organisms. So if you don't like something about an organism, maybe you want to try making a change and see what it, see what it does. Now, unfortunately, we are babes in the woods when it comes to manipulating DNA. Most genes operate as families and networks, and it's very complicated. So that's why you don't see genetically engineered crops that actually increase yield or effectively grow better in drought conditions or salt conditions, because that involves many, many different genes interacting together, and they got lucky with Roundup Ready because they could they could do that with one gene, or producing the Bt toxin insecticide, they can do that with that with one gene. But even then, it's producing a protein that the system may splice and dice and create many different versions of. We don't know, no one's checked. But we do know <coughs> that 
We're creating a system where we can play with these elements of nature without understanding the consequences. I was, <laughs> I told this yesterday that Monsanto did a big private investigation analysis of my life to try and find skeletons in my closet and discovered that I was a dancer. So now they call me, you know, dance teacher releases film critiquing GMOs, you know, that's the, because 20 years ago I taught dance. So uh, in order to pay to write the book that, that brought down Monsanto, or was helping to bring down Monsanto. So I was at a swing dance workshop in St. Louis, and I was with some friends. I lived in Iowa at the time. And some other people from the workshop came in during the lunch break, and we invited them to sit down with us, and a gentleman sat down across from me. And I said, what do you do? He says, I'm a molecular biologist. I said, where do you work? He says, Monsanto. I says, what do you do? He says, I test for safety of GMOs. <clears throat> he was a fellow swing dancer. It was lunchtime. I figured I'd go easy with him, and we just had light chat about allergenic constructs, you know, as you do over Thai food. And then I said to him, we know that when you genetically engineer, you insert a gene and you disrupt the DNA right at the point of insertion. You also disrupt it in hundreds or thousands of other locations by the time you create the plant, but I was just talking about something called insertion mutation, which is well understood and acknowledged. And I said, how do you know? This was like in 1980. No, no, not in 80. In, um, this was like in 2000. And I said, how do you know that the gene that you're disrupting isn't important and could cause problems? And his response reminded me later of what the guy from the mosquito conversation said. He said, we're learning more and more all the time about which genes are important. Now, he had already released all these different foods where they may have learned afterwards that certain genes are important that have been changed. But I didn't get into that. I just hit him with the harder question. I said, what happens if all the genes are important? What happens if there are aspects about the sequence of the genome that we don't understand yet? What if it's using aspects of physics, like quantum effects, quantum fields, or quantum, quantum mechanics, that we don't even know how to test for? Silence. A very long and awkward silence. His friend that had sat down with us said, that's deep. <laughs> but the guy didn't say anything. After a long, deep silence, he looked up and said, but you know we need genetic engineering. I said, what? He said, we need genetic engineering. I said, why? To feed the world, because by the year 2040, and he started going off into the myth that GMOs are going to design to feed the world. And I knew he was sincere. And I knew he was wrong. And research that has come out since 2000 shows that GMOs don't increase average yield, whereas 
agroecology agro can double yields in developing countries. Uh, a 12 million farm research study found a 79% average increase in yields not using GMOs. The UN experts for the ISTAD conference said GMOs have nothing to offer feeding the hungry world, but he didn't know. And that was his excuse for playing with the genome in a way that could cause damage that he can't yet figure out. And that reminded me of another scientist who did work for Monsanto, and I had a long conversation with him also about allergenic constructs. And I said to him at one point, you know, you know for sure that you cannot guarantee that a particular GMO is not gonna create an allergic reaction in at least some aspect of the population because you can't test allergens beforehand because people don't even get allergic reactions until multiple exposures. And he said, but you know, we need genetic engineering. I said, what? He said, we need genetic engineering to feed the world for developing countries. I've been to India. I know how bad their agriculture is. We need to help India. So again, at the moment that I asked them about the science, about the fact that they were willing to expose the population for something that was almost certainly highly risky and more likely really dangerous, could have a negative effect, they jumped into the feeding the world argument. And I've also been to India, and if I talked to him now, I would point out what Monsanto's cotton seeds have done in India. They were not very reliable. They lied, I believe, about the effectiveness, and many people believe that their research and their proposals, preposterous proposals of increased yield were complete myths. And they went in with the most aggressive strategy kicking out the non-GMO alternatives and resulting in a genetically engineered cotton seed that very often failed to even give enough money to the farmer who had been convinced by the Monsanto advertising to borrow money from the loan sharks at up to 7% interest per month and they couldn't even pay back the loans from the ridiculous results of this genetically engineered bacteria, uh, genetically engineered cotton. And faced with the possibility of losing their land and the shame of that, many committed suicide. I'm gonna give you a number of the estimated number of GM cotton farmers that have committed suicide from in Monsanto introducing its genetically engineered seeds. 250,000. So this is what this person was arguing for. He's been to India. He knows it needs Monsanto to come in and save them. And was willing to risk the health of people because India needed him. And now we're talking about turning this whole practice into something that companies all over the world, individuals all over the world, governments all over the world will have access to.
Thank you for listening to Live Healthy, Be Well. Please subscribe to the podcast using whatever app you listen to podcasts with. Or go to livehealthybewell.com to subscribe. This podcast will inform you about health dangers, corporate and government corruption, and ways we can protect ourselves, our families, and our planet. I interview scientists, experts, authors, whistleblowers, and many people who have not shared their information with the world until now. Please share the podcast with your friends. It will enlighten and may even save lives. Safe eating.